if we had a permanent building, we could fix a lot of these problems during the week. But, you, you know, we can only be in here on Sunday. They let us come in yesterday. Myself, Holly, and uh, Nick were in here for almost four hours yesterday trying to get the sound right on the live stream. And so for those of you watching live stream, um, bear with us. You're, you're our online campus and we love you. You're part of us. And uh, I see you. I, I, well, I see the camera. I don't see you. Maybe you see me. Amen. Um, but keep joining in. And we're going to keep working through some of this stuff. And we're going to just have church. Amen. It's an interesting Sunday. Uh, I'm in the series, uh, God of the Valleys. And today I'm going to come to you uh, with a message on the Valley of Miracles. Before I do that, if you'll see, you could see me or Holly or one of the staff members or somebody, just tell us if you're willing to serve, and uh, we'll plug you in, and we'll start training you and so forth, but um, we love you, amen? And uh, how many want to hear from God? If it's uh, halfway decent at all, you know it was the good Lord today, amen? Valley of miracles, how many needs a miracle? How many knows that God is still the God of miracles? How many's ever received a miracle? Raise your hand up high. If you've received a miracle, I want you to hold your hand. Look at that. God is still a miracle-working God. Amen? Glory to God. If you will turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 10, I'm going to begin in verse 1. We're going to go verse 1 through 15. Um, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 15. And uh, I see we have it. Amen. Praise God. Joshua chapter 10, verse 1 through 15. And if you've got it, I want you to stand for the reading of God's word. Because I believe God's going to do some miracles in here today. Joshua, the 10th chapter, I'm in a series again, God of the Valleys. And today is the Valley of Miracles. Aren't you glad to know that God still does miracles in valleys? As a matter of fact... He doesn't even do miracles on mountaintops, because when you're on the mountaintop, you don't need a miracle, amen? But when you're in the valley, you do, and God is the God of miracles. I want you to say that with me really loud. Say, God is still God of miracles. Amen, do you believe that? So Joshua chapter 10, verse 1 through 15, reading in the NIV version, it says, Now, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal and his entire army, including all the best fighting men. 
The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going to Beth Oren and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makedah. And they fled before Israel on the road down to Beth Horon to Azekah. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, I love this, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ayalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself of its enemies as it is written in the book of Jasher. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And I got news for you, God fights for us. Amen. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Father, I thank you so very much, God, for your wonderful presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're going to speak to us, God, and that faith is going to rise in us to believe for miracles yet again. We bless you. We honor you. We magnify your name. And I pray, God, you would anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in might. I pray let the seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Lord, we just pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel. We pray, God, you bring a great awakening and revival to our country. We pray, God, that we would be under one of the greatest worldwide revivals that there's ever been known to mankind here in the United States and let it spread throughout the world, an end-time revival. We ask for this. We ask for the sweeping move of the Holy Spirit even now to come and be with us and anoint me now to preach your word. Just flow through me in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Hold your Bibles up and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Before you're seated, I want you to just give 10 seconds, shout of glory to the Lord. Come on, just shout out His praises. Come on, give Him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. If you're comfortable high-fiving somebody, high-five somebody and say, the Lord is here. David Coretto, Reverend David Coretto, has an unbelievable testimony. He was a firstborn son of a famous witch doctor in Africa. And he was being raised up to become a witch doctor. He kept, his friend kept telling him about Jesus Christ. And finally one day, he decided to go to a church service, more out of just kind of getting his friend off his back than anything else. He had to hide it from his father because his father was a witch doctor and did not want him going to church at all. He thought that during the service, he would just go to appease his friend. And somewhere in the middle of the service, he would just kind of slip out and go on his way. And so he appeased his friend, 
get out of there before his father could find out what was going on. The problem was, is he encountered Jesus Christ and got radically saved before he could hit the doors. <laughs> so, he, after service, he told his friend, he said, what am I going to do? He said, I don't know, I'm afraid to tell my dad, and my dad might kill me, you know, it's just a serious thing. His friend said, God will fight for you. Poke your neighbor and say, God will fight for you. So Reverend David Coretto kept repeating this and praying to God, and he decided to go home and tell his father at, after a few days that he had become a Christian. His father kind of just sort of didn't do anything. He just thought maybe it would go away. Well, he didn't say much at first and just waiting to see if it would stick. And after a couple of months, his father had had enough. His father said, look, you're to become a witch doctor but Reverend Coretto said, Dad, I can't do that. I'm a Christian now. Well, his dad got really mad, and his dad said, Well, we can turn your younger brother into a witch doctor. We can train him. But the witch doctors are reserved for the firstborn. So if you're not going to become a witch doctor, then I'm going to pray and cast a spell and chant and that God kill you tonight. And so that your younger brother can become the witch doctor since you don't want to. Reverend Coretto said, Well... Uh, it's not that I don't want to, to, uh, to disobey you or whatever, but he said, I, I can't become a witch doctor. His mother came frantically telling him, don't, did you hear your dad? Your dad is going to, you're going to die tonight. He's going to pray and you're going to die. Reverend Coretto said, mom, we will see tonight who the true God is. If his God is God, then I will die tonight and I'm okay with that. But if Jesus is God, then I will wake up in the morning and I'll be alive. So tonight we're going to see who the real God is. Reverend Coretto, you can, you can hear his story online. He's got, he shares his testimony. And so he said, I woke up five times that night just to make sure I was still alive. His father, uh, in the morning he got up and he says to his father, See, my God, Jesus, is the true God and I'm still alive. His father was furious. He took a sword and he was going to cut his son down. And as he raised his sword in the air to cut him... He froze. He couldn't move. He was paralyzed. After a few minutes of him being freaked out by being frozen, he couldn't move his hand literally in the air. Reverend David Cretto said he prayed for God to release him, and he did, and his father left him alone. But then it wasn't long after that that the village decided that they didn't, were going to kill him because he, he has upset the whole village now. Everything's gone crazy. So they're after him, and he decides to hit the road. Well, he goes on the run for his life, on the road, and he doesn't know where to go, he doesn't know what he's going to do, and he meets a man as he's crying on the side of the road, and the man is a Christian that walks up on him, takes him into his home, and helps him, and he lives with this man for eight years, and he grows as a Christian. After eight years, he felt Christ telling him to go back to his village, but he was afraid because eight years earlier, the villagers were all going to kill him, so he wasn't sure what to do, but he decided that uh, he was going to go because he ran across a scripture as he was praying and asking God for confirmation. In Isaiah chapter 41, he knelt down and he said, look, you're, you're sending me. Uh, if this is you, please let me know. So he runs across Isaiah 41.10, which says, do not fear, for I will be with you. I will help you. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And he took it as confirmation. He heads back, and as he heads back, he gets to the river that he has to cross, and it's impassable at the moment. It is overflowing. He doesn't know how he's going to get across. 
So he sits there and he prays and dark is falling and he's getting afraid and he's hearing the wild animals prowling around and making noises. And he stops and he prays and he says, you are sending me to my village. I can't cross the river. There are animals everywhere. So now I'm asking you, Lord, to let your will be done. If it is your will and your plan for me to stay here the whole night, then I ask you to protect me from the wild animals and figure out how to get on the other side of the river. His testimony is is that while he was praying, he felt nobody push him. He felt nobody touch him. He didn't feel himself move in any way. But when he opened his eyes, he was on the other side of the river. Somehow or another, in the middle of the prayer, he was translated over to the other side of the river. He went back into his village. Not only did his village not kill him, he got the whole village saved. And to date, there are over 300 churches in the area that he has planted. I want to tell you, God will fight for you. Hallelujah. Just shout it out. God fights for me. Do you believe that? You say, man, I can't believe that story. I believe it wholeheartedly. God can do anything. Amen. In order to understand the power of Joshua chapter 10 and the Gibeonites and what all Joshua did, you have to actually go back to Joshua 9 and figure out how they came about. The Gibeonites were neighbors that Israel was supposed to kill. They saw and heard all that Israel was doing in chapter 9 and they decided to deceive and trick the Israelites. They got old moldy bread and they got torn clothes and they got... Uh, wineskins that were cracked and they, they made it look like their sandals were worn. They made it look like they came from way far away. And they showed the Israelites. The Israelites said, where are you from? They said, we're from a far country. And we've heard all the great God has done in your life and done for you. And so we've come to make peace with you. Look, look, our bread was fresh when we left and now it's moldy and dry. Look, our, our wineskins were filled with wine before and now they're cracked. And look at our clothes. There's holes and the sandals are torn. Everything, look, look. And so the Israelites tried the bread and all that. And they, they did not inquire of the Lord. They did not pray about it. And they made treaty with them. Why is that important? Once they made a treaty with them, not only could they now not kill them, now they were on the hook to protect them. So not only could they not destroy their enemy, now if somebody else came to fight them, they'd have to go to battle and fight for their enemy. And that's exactly where we pick up in chapter 10. We find that Adonai Zedek says, Hey boys, we see what Israel's doing here, and now the Gibeonites have made a treaty. They're a royal city. They've got great fighting men. And I'm kind of giving you a background to go where I'm going here today. And, it's, man, we got to take them out. And so he goes and he gets four of his buddies and he says, we got to do this. we got to fight against God and we've got to fight against Gibeon and Israel. Otherwise, we're going to be destroyed. And that's just what I said last week. The devil just doesn't come after you. He always brings his friends. He always brings bad news sometimes in threes and fours. How many knows sometimes when it rains, it pours? It feels like you can't get over the, the car breaking down for the roof leaking, for the hot water heater going out, for the car breaking down, for the kids going crazy for the setup not working right and it just seems like everything gets piled on at once how many of you can can does anybody testify to that am I the only one that happens to is anybody out there raise your hand I don't want to feel alone today okay it happens to the best of us right so here he comes with all his enemy with everybody he's got I want to tell you remember the devil always brings friends and he always tries to overwhelm you into quitting the devil cannot win Let me say it again. The devil cannot defeat you. I'm going to say it again. The devil 
cannot defeat you. He can't win. What he tries to do is come with overwhelming force and he tries to put so much on you that you throw your hands in the air and you quit and walk away yourself. And so you defeat yourself. He knows he can't defeat us, so he tries to overwhelm and intimidate us and get us to quit believing God in faith, quit believing the word, and we'll, we, here's what we do. We'll quote the scripture, we'll believe the scripture, and then the very opposite will happen. And it'll happen, and it'll happen, and it'll happen, and our faith gets tested. Are we going to believe in what we see going on, or are we going to believe in the word of God? And I'm here to tell you, we've got to believe in the word of God at all costs. If we continue believing what the Word of God says, listen to me, brothers and sisters, the devil cannot win. He only wins if we quit. Tanya Mills had surgery on her knee this week. I saw her going out the door. I said, how you doing? She said, I'm great. She said, I'm a miracle. I can't wait to testify of what God has done. I said, we're going to have you up just as soon as you can. I said, how are you doing yesterday? She said, I'm great. I'm bored. I can't move my knee, but I'm ready to go. Hallelujah. And Luke Holmes had a great surgery. And, and, and Mildred Daniel had a good surgery. Listen, I want to tell you, God is not done fighting for us. He tries to get us to quit believing for our healing. He tries to tell you there's no hope your marriage is over. He tries to get you, us as a nation to quit believing there can be a resolution to what's going on right now. He tries to get us to believe there's no hope. And I want to tell you, the only way we lose is if we quit. He knows he can't defeat us, so he tries to get us to defeat ourselves. Winston Churchill, you, you've seen it before. The great short speech at the... Graduation from where he went to school, he said these words, never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 and nothing. I guess we don't have it. Either great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Never yield. Look what it says. Never yield to the apparently, the appearance that is overwhelming. I want to tell you, it is a little overwhelming. Be honest with you, when this church started, I was very overwhelmed with everything going on this morning. I want to tell you, it is not, he cannot win unless we quit. The enemy wants to make you seem like your life is overwhelming. He wants to pile on and feel like the kids are crazy and everything's going wrong. And you say, why do I even bother anymore? I'm telling you, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other with, the, with God on your side, you will come out victorious. He is God of the, of the valleys. He is, he is a miracle working God in the valleys. The Gibeonites sent a message to him and they say, hey, we're getting ready to get killed here. Come and come quickly. Don't forget, you're obligated now to rescue us. Worst case scenario, we belong to you. I mean, hey, everybody protects their property. We need you to mount up. Let's go. So verse 7, Joshua does. In verse 8, he gets a promise from the Lord. God speaks to Joshua and says, don't be afraid for not one of them will stand before you. In other words, I'm going to destroy the enemy totally before you. Hallelujah. 
In verse 9 and 10, Joshua falls on them suddenly and, and, and the enemy goes into confusion and begins to destroy themselves on top of them being destroyed by hailstones and, and, and by the Israelites. And here's the point of this. Man, when you walk with God and God is on your side, He'll cause the enemy to be confused at itself. He'll cause demons to start fighting themselves. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be great? Sometimes I wish we could open our eyes in the spirit and see the demons fighting each other instead of fighting us. God will cause even our enemies to be at peace with us. As a matter of fact, Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So the Israelites slew them in a great slaughter. And so verse 11, on their way, the Lord is casting large hailstones on them so that the hail is killing more than the sword of the Israelites. So many of them fell down that they all got ushered into the valley of Ayalon. And it was there that they were trapped, but darkness was coming and darkness is when they could escape. And so here we begin in our miracle from God in verse 12. Standing on the promise of God that he would kill all the enemy, Joshua has a clear word from God this is going to happen. He sees them in the valley. Dark is approaching, but they're trapped. And so he prays a radical prayer. Listen, God is not scared by our big radical prayers. I want to say that again. God is not frightened by big radical prayers. Why pray for your kids just to get saved? Why not pray that they get saved and they radically turn the kingdom of God upside down? They radically change people's lives. Why pray just to get healed? Why not pray that for every day you are sick, you lay hands on somebody and 10 people get healed? Why not make some big radical prayers? Why pray a prayer that just says, hey, next week, hopefully everything works good? Why not pray, not only does everything work great the like way we want it to next week, but 25 people get saved, 100 people get changed, huh? Amen? Why don't we pray some big radical prayers? Here's what he says He says, son, stand still over Gibeon. Moon, stand still over the valley of I alone. I mean, this is like, you're talking Mother Nature now. We're not talking about God heal me of a sore thumb or a headache. We're talking don't let the sun set. So the sun stands still the space of an entire day. And there was no day like it before after that God fought for them. I want to tell you God will fight for you. He'll fight for you in your relationships. He'll fight for your marriage. He'll fight for your health. He'll fight for your family. He'll fight for your joy. He'll fight for your peace. The undefeated champion of the universe fights for you and I. There are three keys to receiving a miracle in your valley. The first key to receiving a miracle in your valley, point number one, is this. Remember who God is. Look, there are churches and Christians out there now that will tell you that miracles, signs, and wonders ceased when the Bible stopped. They'll tell you they don't happen today. I, 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 I just have a couple questions then. <laughs> okay. Has the God of the Bible changed the way he acted in such a fundamental way as to now make himself as unrecognizable? I have another question. It's okay to question the, the fact that there's no miracles today. That's what people say, some. Has God, who quite commonly operated in the miraculous in 4,000 years of human and biblical history, suddenly decided not to work miracles now? Has the God who did miracles in the Old Testament before Jesus decided, well, now you got Jesus, you don't need a miracle anymore, you're out? 
No, miracles are more now than they used to be. I'm telling you, I'm a miracle. The fact that we're saved is a miracle. The fact I've been healed more than once of miracles. Amen. I've seen miracles in my family. I've seen miracles in the church. My God, is anybody out there can say, I've seen miracles. I am a miracle. I'm a part of being a miracle. Denying the miraculous is an attempt to deny God's nature. Listen, God does miracles because it's who he is. He can't stop doing miracles. Hallelujah. When the supernatural gets into the natural, it just has to change. Glory to God. That's why we pray and fast that God fill this place with His presence. That's why we pray and fast and ask God to speak to everybody. Because when God is in the house and His Word is going forth, people can't help but get saved. They can't help but get healed. They can't help but get delivered. Marriages can't help but get restored. They may not even know why. It's because of who God is. I'm going to preach if it hair lifts the devil today. Somebody shout amen. When you deny miracles, it limits the omnipotence of God. Omnipotence means the all-powerfulness of God. And here's the dangerous part. It puts miracles under human control. And we can't do miracles. Many unbelieving Christians... Let me rephrase that. Many unbelieving churchgoers will say, well, I've never seen a documented miracle. Well, just because the track doesn't run by your house doesn't mean there's not a train. Just because you can't see emotions like love and hatred and unforgiveness and bitterness doesn't mean it's not real. Just because you can't see wind, oh, you might see the effects of wind, but just because you can't see wind doesn't mean it ain't real. And I want to tell you something, it's real. God is real. The God of the Bible is alive and well. And He longs to do miracles more than we long to receive them. Does anybody believe this? Look, the same God who piled up the waters of the Red Sea. The same God who called the walls of uh, of Jericho to fall down flat. The same God who called the Jordan River to stand at attention. The same God who spoke his word into a virgin womb and caused the baby to come forth. Ah man, somebody he needs to hear me. Still lives unchanged by either history or unbelievers. I want to tell you, God is still a miracle working God. He is still God in the valley and he still does miracles. I don't know what you need, but he's still a miracle-working God. Miracles are crucial to who the God of the Bible is. If you eliminate miracles, then you change the God of the Bible. I'm not interested in what somebody thinks will happen. I want to see what God does now. And God is still working miracles. When you see the sun setting on the hills above I alone... It's very hard to remember who God is. It wasn't that long ago, our father-in-law, my father-in-law, Holly's dad, called. Hey, they found something in a colonoscopy, and it's cancer. You need to get home. He's in Connecticut by himself, driving all the way home, crying, devastated. We prayed. Don't you buy the report of the devil, the doctor, or anybody else. We're going to believe God has healed you. We prayed you could feel. I remember when Holly and I were on the phone. We prayed you could feel the presence of God just fill that room. You could just feel it was done. 
You go back to that doctor. When you go back, we're going to believe God. Man, they did a, they did a full colonoscopy on them. They came out. They said, well, you had a couple of little polyps, but you're clean as a whistle. You're good as good gold. Wait a minute. A few weeks ago, there was something, and now it's gone? A few weeks ago, man, it's cancer, and now they can't find it? God is still a miracle-working God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Christianity is sometimes living in the valley of miracles, folks. However, they don't happen every day. Remember, Joshua did say there, will never, there was never another day like this. Listen, I understand they're rare. I understand they're not all the time. But I want to tell you they still do happen. And point number two is this. The second key to receiving a miracle in your valley is this. Listen to God. Poker never say listen to God. Watch what Joshua 10.8 says. It will be on the screen. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Do not be afraid. I've given them over to you. I've given. He didn't say, I will give them. To God, it was already done. Because when God speaks something, it happens. I have given. Everybody say past tense. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Now listen, there is a distinct line between faith and presuming on our own. Okay? The hardest of all biblical discipline is balance. An unbalanced emphasis on personal faith can lead to dangerous self-worship that elevates our own faith to the throne and leaves God out of the picture. Now all of a sudden we worship our own faith instead of worshiping God. The teaching believes in miracles... But the problem is it puts my hands or my tongue at the controls. And I want to tell you, we can have all the hands and tongues. As long as we're agreeing with what God says, God will back up his word. But our tongue isn't what making it happen. It's God making it happen. Amen. There is a false balance that puts hyper faith on one side of the scales and unbelief on the other. But unbelief doesn't balance faith. It destroys it. Unbelief is doubt and will get you nowhere. The proper balance for faith is the sovereignty of God. He's still God. Somebody say amen. Not wanting to wait to hear from God on a matter and just riding in whatever direction will cause more problems. Listen, the key to Joshua's faith in God providing a miracle in the valley of Ayalon was a clear word in Gilgal. The key to God working a miracle and the key to your faith is a clear word from God in your prayer closet. Is is anybody hearing what I'm saying? In the early 70s, a group of young Korean believers on an evangelistic mission, came to a flooding river, swollen and impassable with rain. Well, they decided since Jesus walked on water and Peter, they would claim the scripture and go for it. Well, they did, and they drowned to their death. The difference between them and Simon Peter was this. Simon Peter had a clear word from Jesus that said, come. We need a clear word from God on what we're supposed to do. Folks, that's why we pray and fast. We're not praying. When you pray and fast, you're not fasting to move the heart of God. You're fasting to hear a clear word from God. So you know then what to do. Somebody say amen. And sometimes the clear word from God will not make sense in the natural. But if you'll obey it, you'll see a miracle. Hearing 
is the key element. Everybody say hearing. It's been my personal experience and the testimony of many Christians that once you've really heard from God, faith isn't easy. See, there's, there's what we call faith sometimes, which I call rolling the dice at the craps table. I hope, man, if I roll them, I, man, I'm going to get seven or 11. Faith is not wishing and hoping. When you're in faith, you know that you know that you know it's done. How many's ever been there before? You just, it's just in you, you know. That's when you know you're in faith with God and you can praise God. Listen, there are things that you, you'll need a miracle and you won't even be able to think about it anymore. And when you do, you'll say, oh, God's got it, amen. And you'll go on about your business and what you're supposed to be doing. I want to tell you, that's how God wants us to live. Until you hear from God, acting presumptuously to force God's hand is not faith, it is downright dangerous. And the point number three is this. The third key to receiving your miracle in your valley is obey specifically. Obey specifically. Whatever God tells you, do it as specific as possible. Having heard in verse 8 that victory was his, listen very carefully. Joshua did not wait for it to come to him. In verse 9, he acted on it immediately. Way too often, listen carefully. Christians having genuinely heard from God will stay where they are waiting for victory to just somehow drop from the sky. Genesis 22, watch what the Bible says, verse 1 through 3. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied, then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. He was testing him. He didn't really want him to do it. Watch what the Bible says in verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, and went. And he even told the people, hey, we're going to go worship yonder, but we'll be right back. I love that. God said, go do this. The next morning, immediately, he got up, went about it, and did it. The promise of victory is usually followed by the command to attack. I have a question for you. What do you think would have happened had Joshua, after hearing clearly from God, would have stayed at Gilgal waiting for victory to happen? You know what would have happened? A whole chapter 10 would be gone. There'd be no miracle in the valley of I alone. There'd be no sun standing still. There'd be no moon standing still. There'd be no hailstones from the Lord defeating the enemy. All you read about would have gone by the wayside had he stayed in Gilgal. But he heard from God in Gilgal. And what did he do? He marched forward. I want to tell you that's exactly what we've done. And I know we've had some problems in here, but we heard very clearly get out of the theater and come right here to this school. We marched forward. Yes, we have some issues, but I want to tell you something. I'm believing to see some God-sized miracles in this place. Amen. I'm believing to see some God-sized miracles in this school. Somebody shout amen. Victory promise will not come as long as we sit on our hands. We've got to move forward. Somebody shout amen. Exodus chapter 14. I want to show you verse 10 through 16. I love this. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. They became very frightened. The sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Let me just stop right there. They're between two mountains, the enemy behind them, and a Red Sea in front of them. They got, they got pinched. They got holed up. They didn't know where to go. So they start crying out. Here's what they say in verse 11. They said to Moses, I love it. When people get afraid, they always blame the leader. Is it because there were no graves in Egypt you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? I mean, this is what they're telling Moses. Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? 
Some of you on the setup team this morning might be looking at me going, you have brought us to the school to Paris. What is wrong with you, Pastor Dallas? We were doing fine at the theater. Now we've got a mess on our hands. Thanks a lot. And now you want me here at 730. Is this not the word we spoke to you in Egypt in the theater saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. You see, when things go wrong, we tend to go back to where we were comfortable and think it was better for me there. While it may have been better for you there at that time, it wouldn't be better if you're disobeying God. And the last time I checked, it's not about it being better for us. It's about it better being better for the kingdom of God. Amen? Somebody say amen. Poke your neighbor real good and say it's about the kingdom. It's about one more, Lord. Just one more, Lord. Just one more saved, Lord. Just one more marriage saved. Just one more marriage restored. Just one more relationship restored. Just one more person healed. Amen. Just one more person filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's not about what's better for us. It's about what's better for the kingdom of God. So he goes on to say, but Moses said to the people, I love it. When, when leaders don't know really what to do, they don't, they, they, here's what they say. Do not fear. They say, do not fear. Stand still and we will see the salvation of the Lord and what to accomplish for you today. And deep inside, Moses is going, I don't know what he's going to do. I hope you show up, God, because these people are going to drown me. So watch what happens. For the Egyptians whom you've seen today, you will never see them again. He was prophetic. Watch verse 14. He says, the Lord will fight for you and keep, and you keep silent. In other words, you quit your grumbling. God's going to fight for us. I like what God does. God corrects Moses and the children of Israel. Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Just stop right there. I find the Bible humorous sometimes. Because if it were me, I'd be like, uh, do you see the mountains on either side? Do you see Pharaoh trying to kill us and this big red sea in front of us? And you ask me why I'm crying out? Are you blind? Is it okay to talk to God like that sometimes? Uh, uh, hello? Are you not seeing the predicament I'm in? Watch what God says. Tell the sons of Israel to what? God said, I, I sent you to the wilderness. I've sent you out of Egypt. I've sent you to a promised land. I told you, go, I'm with you. Quit standing around. Don't grumble and don't even just stand there. Put one foot in front of the other and go forward and you will see a miracle. My man, somebody needs to catch this. As for you, Moses, lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea and you pray and divide it. He follows what God says, right? And the sons of Israel shall go through in the midst of the sea and on dry land. Woo! Obedience is the key that unlocks the power of God in your valley. Stretch out your staff. Stretch out the word of God in your life. Stretch out the word of God in your living room over your family, over your children, over your finances, over your vehicles, over your home, over your job, over your friendships. Hold out that staff and watch God work miracles. Now listen, you may be in a financial mess 
And God may promise to provide, and then the way he provides, he'll say, well, you're gonna, you need to go take a second job for a while. Or you need to sell the car and get one cheaper. Or you need to downsize the home. Or you need to give a big offering to some ministry. Whatever it is, God will lead you. You follow, God will take care of it. Amen? Someone may receive a rhema word that they've been delivered from alcohol or drugs. And then on the heels of that, God says, yes, but you're going to celebrate recovery. Or you're going to go to Teen Challenge because you need to be totally set free. Obedience is the key to final victory. Every miracle in the Bible, the person had to obey instructions from God first. March around the wall seven times. Stretch out your staff over the sea and divide it. Stretch forth your withered hand. Take up your bed and walk. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. Step out of that boat. Man, come on, somebody. God always gives us a command, and he waits for us to step. And when we do, God works a miracle. What's God asking you to do today? Woo. Holly, come on up. We'll make them believe I'm stopping. I am closing with this story. A preacher couldn't dismiss a service one night after revival. And, and he said, I just, he just, I just feel like someone has heard a specific word from God. And you need to obey immediately. Here come the Methodist pastor's wife running down the aisle, weeping loudly. She said, I need a miracle in my life. And as I was praying, that this was for her. I'm not saying for anybody else. This is what God was speaking to her. She said, God told me I had a diamond ring on my hand I inherited from my grandmother. And it was an idol in my life. It was the most important thing in my life. She said, I told God, it is not the most important thing in my life. You are. And God said, okay, give it away. She said, I fought God all weekend over this. And she said, and I've wrestled with it. And I know it's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm thinking, what? I'm willing to lose what my miracle that God wants to do for me over a silly diamond ring? She took it off. She put it in the offering. She said, use this for the ministry. And instantly she got a miracle. Instantaneous. Total miracle on the spot. Her Methodist preacher husband came running to the front. Stood right beside her. And he says... I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My wife received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She's been witnessing to me about it. I didn't buy it until I saw the miracle here today. He said, if she can get speaking in tongues and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, for a Methodist pastor, this is a big deal. He said, and I want it. I want the Holy Ghost too. I want to speak in tongues just like her. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit fell upon him. And, he, and, and as they prayed, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The whole service was filled with people weeping and crying, seeking God. People were being filled with the Holy Spirit all throughout the entire place. Listen, the preacher's obedience unlocked the woman's obedience, which brought her husband, husband's obedience to light, which in turn brought an outpouring of God's Spirit to everyone there. Then that poor Methodist preacher and wife had to go tell their church. They were now spirit-filled tongue talkers and get kicked out. But I want to tell you, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have the Holy Spirit. God's a miracle-working God, folks. Man, I don't know what God is about to do. But He's about to do something. He's a miracle-working God. How many of you have got a kid you're praying desperately for, or a grandkid, or somebody in your family? 
How, how many of you need a bona fide miracle right now in your life? I, I, whatever it is, I want you to hold it up. Holly's going to sing a song for us. I want you to set the presence of God just settle on you. If you've been around church for a while, you know this song. You do miracles. So great. Oh, hallelujah. I want you just to sing with us. If you know the song, you can maybe raise your hands. You know what? In the Bible, there is a word for praise, which is toda. Toda means to praise God with uplifted hands, but their palms are like this to receive. I'm going to pray for you right now. And it doesn't matter if we have to do it a cappella, however we got to do it. Let me just bless you, and then we're going to praise God. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone right now that needs a miracle. Oh, God, there is a valley that some of us are facing. But I thank you that you work, God, you work miracles in the valley. And I pray, God, everyone that needs a miracle, you would give it now. Lord, I pray we obey your word. And I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we will see bona fide sun standing still, moon standing still in the valley, our valleys of Iolone. Miracles. So let it be released them now. We receive them by faith in Jesus' name. Go ahead. You are great. If you're comfortable, why don't you stand to your feet and worship? There is no one else like you. Oh, hallelujah. There is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no Oh, shit. 
Lord, we bless your holy name. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. Oh, Lord, there is no one else like you. can be overwhelming, but you are greater. You are greater, oh God. You are able to turn our enemy into confusion. You are able to rain down spiritual hailstorms on the enemy and shoo them off. In the name of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, we take authority in Jesus' name. And we serve you. Notice, enemy, that the Lord rebuke you and the blood of Jesus is against you. And by the authority of the word of God and in the name of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, be gone in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, we thank you for coming out today. Um, if you're new here, we, would, we have a gift for you out in the lobby somewhere, I, I think. Somebody can help you. We do. Somewhere out there. Amen. Somebody more qualified than me can help you find that gift. But we'd love for you to fill out a card. We're going to give you a gift, and uh, and thanks for coming. You can belong here before you believe. They'll take their, they'll fill out a connect card. It's do we have the screen, Zoe? Do we have the number to where they can fill out the connect card on the screen? It's you text the word connect. There we go. Text the word connect to this number on the screen. If this yes. is, if you're new with us today, we'd love for you to do that. There it is. Leave that up on the screen so they can see that. And then you will come out to the lobby and let us know you filled that con- that card out online, and we'll give you a gift. Amen. It's a free gift card to get some coffee. All right. Praise God. I need about a gallon of it now. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, thanks for coming out. Listen, if you're on the children's setup team in the children's area or the hospitality, there's no you're you you don't have a time issue. If you want to come at eight or eight or whatever time you're supposed to be here, that's cool. If you're in here in this area, if you wouldn't mind helping us at 7:30, we would very much appreciate it. And uh, some news. We got permission during service. The superintendent of the school gave us permission to leave all of this set up in the gymnasium Praise this week. God. So we can work on our issues throughout the week. Okay, so, so we don't have time. to be here at 730. So we'll try to fix all these problems during the week. Uh, but uh, if you're willing to help, if you're willing to help every other week be on a setup and tear down team, we need your help. If you'll just let us know, uh, I promise you, you come next week, we will train you. Amen. We will put you to work on the job training. So, amen. Is that it? Oh, you're dismissing people? Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah, we have to dismiss in a second. Okay. All right. Somebody get the house lights. Hey, I made it. I preached. (laughs) God.